just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip. And today we are continuing our journey through JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Golden Wind. Ah, uh, and it's it's time for another three uh, three episodes here. But before we start, yeah. I've had just a, a revelation. I was struck like lightning with the <laughs> image of what if you took all... The Facebook political means and your memes, and you removed the minions and replaced them with sex pistols, <laughs> uh-huh. and did not change the content in any <laughs> other way. <laughs> there has to be a couple of those out somewhere that somebody made for a laugh, right? <laughs> There's no way we're the only people who think the sex the the sex pistols are minions, right? Does anybody who works on the minions property know about sex pistols? There's got to be. Okay, I'm finding a lot of, like, old-fashioned, like, impact font-style memes of oh, Sid Vicious. Okay. Uh, <laughs> is this something we have to make? Is this something we have to make? Because I'm not seeing any. Okay, this is not what I'm looking for, but I did find it, and it is good. <laughs> okay. I just want these tiny yellow men to tell me I'm not a real man because I don't, like, eat Cool Whip right out of the tub or whatever. <laughs> that's that's what I need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this just reminds me that, like, like, I have never watched a single one, anything with minions in it. Never watched any of it. And then mm-hmm. years ago when I went to Universal Studios... I was on the Minions ride. You're, you're cutting straight to the deep lore immediately. Yeah, like the the plot of the ride is that it's... I don't even know the name of the fucking guy who made the Minions. What, what is the name of that character? <laughs> I don't think anyone made the Minions. <laughs> I thought he made the Minions. <laughs> okay. I've seen the first two Despicable Me movies. They do not get into deep Minion lore in there. <laughs> But the the advertising around the Minions film does does posit that the Minions pre-exist uh, uh, those those events by centuries. Okay, okay. Hmm. His name is Gru, and he's a very nice man. His name is Gru, right? And there's like some little girl or something that Gru adopted or something. He, he adopts three little sisters, right? And the, the the first movie is about them becoming a real family and not a, right. a fake family to family to cover up super crimes. Okay, okay. Like I had no idea about any of that, and so when you get on that ride, and the very first thing are those little girls going like, "Oh, it's the like anniversary of Gru adopting us. We got to get him a present," and that's the whole fucking ride is getting him a present or whatever. And I was, what the fuck is happening? I thought this was something different. <laughs> And also, my mom and dad were far more invested because they loved the minions. <laughs> so I was just like, what's <laughs> happening? <sighs> Anyways, JoJo. Anyways, JoJo. Today, we are starting with Episodio Nove, the first mission from the boss. So everybody's made it to the island of Capri. Mm-hmm. And uh, the boys have all staked out a public men's room as their base of operations. <laughs> Let's not forget that previous episode, Misa got shot, uh, shot like right through the gut. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he is bleeding and, and obviously in a ton of pain. And Fugo is there in the bathroom with him to help him. He's going to do some first aid until they can get him to a hospital. And the first aid is to uh, suture up that wound by stapling it, 
with a stapler. Like an office stapler, like an not like a surgical stapler. stapler. No, no, no. Mises is like, what the fuck is this? Why that? Why the fuck did you do that? And then Fugo's just like, okay, time to get some duct tape to, to dress this wound. <laughs> and then like 10 seconds later, Mises is like, actually, this is kind of cool. Once that is all taken care of, it's time for like a... a- a team meeting, I guess. Bruno assembles everybody in, in like the, the Rook conference room. And it's like, hey, thanks everybody for all your effort. <laughs> I guess Fugo did something when we weren't looking. I don't, maybe he was sailing the boat. I don't know. <laughs> it's He's just teaching the Rancha how to be a human being. <laughs> this is when we learned that Sale and Zucaro are chained up in the boat. Somehow neither of them is dead. Yeah. We saw one of them get shot through the brain. <laughs> no, yeah. I really thought he was dead, and the other guy, like, sure, the other guy just had his head zipped off, but that's magic. The other guy got a bullet to the brain. Wait a minute. Mm. So there's this couple, there, there's this young lady and an old man who are, are sweeping up, mopping up, and, and coming with their cleaning carts around, and they want to get in the men's room and clean that out, because that's their job, and Naranch is like, hey, hey, fuck off, Th- this is our office now, I I have a cubicle in there, I get good Wi-Fi, shut up. <laughs> And she tells him, hey, is your name bathroom? Because if it ain't, then I don't see your name on this room. Get the fuck out of here. Everyone's mm-hmm. very aggressive. Oh, yeah. And so she goes to just walk into the bathroom and, and start cleaning up. So he tries to stab her. Yeah, Naracha tries to stab her. And she does some fucking big boss CQC shit on him. Grabs his own knife and, and starts forcing it like on his chin. And that's when he brings out his second knife and tries to stab her in the back. His second switchblade. And this is where Bruno's just like, whoa, 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 hold hold up, hold up, hold up. (laughs) Time out. Important people. The the janitors are important. Yeah, these cleaners aren't just cleaners. No, they are undercover members of Passione. Mm -hmm. And the, the old guy who hasn't been stabbed or tried to stab is a capo. His name is Pericolo, which means danger. Oh, he is danger. And according to the JoJo wiki, is also meant to be an homage to Pericomo? I believe it. Yeah. Get, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he is Italian, Italian-American, I believe. Uh, so Pericolo's English voice, you, you may have seen him in Star Trek The Next Generation or Babylon 5. What? Before he transitioned almost exclusively to dub work. Huh. What characters did he play in in Star Trek? Uh, two or three separate guys with different facial prosthetics. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, while his Japanese voice uh, is Musashi across all the like Getter Robo titles, at least mm. the ones since the mid nineties. Okay, and also dubbed Harvey Bullock in Batman the Animated Series. Uh huh. Okay, man, that's a character I forgot existed entirely. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that brings us to our OP. And when we return, Pericolo is is like introducing himself and meeting the group. And he makes a point of saying how impressed he is with what he's heard about the new kid, Giorno. Yes. There's a couple times throughout this whole like debriefing from Pericolo here where we get really quick uh, glimpses into Giorno's inner thoughts because he's like <laughs> he's writing all this shit down in his head everything <laughs> he is actually taking notes on a criminal conspiracy <laughs> yeah yeah pericolo is very small small man when you get old in jojo you become very tiny mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. not quite koichi size but he's getting there pericolo is here to collect the 10 billion lire from from bruno here 
and mm-hmm. no one but Bruno knows where it is still. Like the rest of the game's just like, where the fuck is this money at? I want to see all the cool money. <laughs> uh, oh, and he, P- Pericolo also tries to explain that the the girl that's also with him uh, is just like, hey, sorry that she tried to stab you. She just doesn't like being touched. <laughs> like most people don't like being touched, but she really doesn't like being stabbed. That's the thing. Yeah, I guess. I guess being stabbed is a type of touching. Just worse. It's one of the worst types of touching. If you were to rank them, yeah. it's it's way on the bottom for me. Yeah. Bottom five, to be sure. And so Narancha tries to apologize for stabbing this girl, and he does a bad job at it, so Fugo fucking decks him in the kidney and tells him <laughs> to learn how to apologize better. Maybe maybe Narancha's the way he is because Fugo's just really bad at teaching. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the best teacher. I don't I don't like his his methods very much personally. It you know, it it would fit probably, you know, several decades earlier when teachers would just slap the shit out of kids and stuff, but I mm, no paddles. No paddles. <laughs> so we find the 10 billion in there's like no cash. It is just fucking pirate treasure. It's it's all like yeah uh, uh jewelry and gemstones i think there's like a fucking royal crown in here <laughs> yes and it is in the purple zone unzipped behind the urinals and everybody's like wow nobody knew they were peeing on all this valuable treasure <laughs> yeah there's also just a straight up big ass gold bar in there too <laughs> just just a gold bar so this is polpo's little nest egg that he was hiding away right mm-hmm who is paying off their gambling debts with gold bars? <laughs> uh, hmm. the the last uh, old timey gold prospector mm-hmm, mm-hmm. passed down through the generations of gold prospectors. <laughs> uh, so, see, so yeah, Pericolo has his little jeweler's croup, and he's examining all this stuff still in the public men's room, on like the sink counter, and he's. He's up there standing on a little step stool to get to it. It's it's a really out of the way restroom. It's not well known. Yeah, yeah. All, all the like travel bloggers are like, okay, if you go to the island of Capri, the the, the bathroom that is really clean, no lines. You got to go up this hill. It's it's got a great view too. Yep. So yeah, it's Pericolo verifies all of the treasure is legit and indeed worth the amount it was purported to be. And so, hey, uh, Bruno, you're capo now. Congrats. He, he says that recovering this proves, quote, tremendous intellect and faith. Or maybe it just proves that he remembers where he puts shit. He commands the purple <laughs> zone. Who else put it there? Yeah. There's also a part here where Pericolo is like, well, uh, since Polpo is dead, I guess you just get to take over all of Polpo's operations and, and territories. And the boys are so proud. They're all overjoyed for the for the boss. Yeah, and Pericolo mentions just like, you know, Polpo died very recently, and you guys beelined straight to this treasure. Not going to ask questions. It does not matter how you did this. It only matters that you you produced results. I mean, hey, and they, they put all this money that Polpo was hoarding back in the boss's pockets. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, may, maybe that is, you know a sign of tremendous faith. Sure, why not? Yeah. And so the the turf they're getting, inheriting from Polpo, uh, is all of the extortion, the gambling, the port contraband, and the restaurants. (laughs) And the restaurants. That's the fun part. (laughs) One of these things is not like the others, unless (laughs) eating out is illegal in Italy, and nobody told me. I don't know. Mm, 
Well, you gotta have places that are friendly to the the mafia, I guess. I guess restaurants are pretty important to to Passione's operation in particular, because every Italian meal we've seen so far has become a super fight. (laughs) Yeah. Remember racist Wario? Like, this is a thing. It's been from the very beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, shooting the pasta through the wine glass, yeah. Racist Cyber Wario was so long ago. (laughs) I miss him. What was his deal? Why was he cyber in the 20s? I think it's all in the name. I don't think I need to know any more than I know. (laughs) So so the way this is going to work from now on with with Capo Bucciarati is that half of the revenue he oversees goes uh, straight up to to Passione, and the other half he gets to do with as he likes. So so now all of his, his crew are way tighter with him. I get. I they just like it better than they like Pulpo. I, Pulpo was clearly skimming. I, I don't think Bruno yeah. has has a gold bar in a hole somewhere. So <laughs> yeah, their, their fortunes are looking up. And th- there's a part here where Mista is thinking to himself, like Bruno deserves this. This is a long time mm-hmm, waiting. Mm-hmm. And then he looks over to Jorno. Is like, man, everything got way better really fast once Jorno was here. Hmm. He's our little good luck boy. Yeah, I guess he's just a good luck boy. <laughs> Nothing, nothing deeper to what's happening here. So, so not only have they uh, inherited, you know, Pulpo's territory and income streams, they've also inherited his obligations. Yeah. And so now it is time for the titular first, uh, first job from the boss. There is one thing that Pulpo didn't finish, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's like the most important job. <laughs> <laughs> it, he didn't even really start it because uh, they are here to to take the handoff of this job. They have to escort the boss's daughter, which yeah. seems like a pretty good lead to finding the unfindable guy, actually. What mm-hmm. luck. <laughs> Pericolo starts to go into detail with Bruno about the, like, the backstory of the boss's daughter here. Uh, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the whole time, Giorno is just, like, in it, just thinking to himself, like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is how we kill him. He's also the first person to guess that the cleaning lady is the daughter that they're here to escort. Yep. Voguing with a broom. Mm -hmm. That's what she's doing while all this is going down. And then she goes to the bathroom because she really has to pee, I guess, while they all talk about her past. Yes. So, yeah, they all have to guard her and escort her, you know, with their lives, uh, if Mm -hmm. necessary. This girl's name is Trish Una. She's 15 years old. And she has never met her father. So maybe not a great lead to finding the unfindable guy, but whatever. We're going to try. Yeah. And Una is not her father's surname, is her mother's. So that's that's also a dead end there. There isn't a single person in the entire mafia here who has ever physically seen the boss. But Pericolo starts talking about some of uh, uh, his life events, you know, just in case anyone here wants to murder him. Yes. FYI. Here, here's a little bit. So uh, two months ago, this this woman died, and she was searching for the boss under the name Solido Naso, which means solid nose. <laughs> She's looking for a hard-nosed motherfucker, which, of course, is not uh, uh, the real name of the boss, just mm-hmm. merely the one of many pseudonyms uh, uh, he has that she knew him under. So when she, she died, uh, this kind of exposed... The existence of Boss's daughter that he did not even <laughs> know about. 
beforehand. So now it's just like, well, shit, got to get her uh, in my custody real quick before anybody can figure out anything <laughs> about me. Here is my prediction. Mm-hmm. The the boss is definitely Jorno's guardian angel from childhood, right? Mm. Like, come, come, come on, come mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. come on. <laughs> the, the stuff that happened with Donatella here, rumors mm-hmm. started to spread about that real quick. And so there's a lot of people in the mafia kind of chatting about the fact that maybe the boss had a daughter. And so now there are a lot of other potential traitors in the mafia who, you know, might want to, you know, nab her and figure out the boss's (laughs) identity so that they can kill him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hmm, Who could be up to that? Yeah, yeah, but, but... Mm -hmm. They want to kill the boss so they can sell more drugs. Yeah. They're very, they're killing the boss for the bad reasons. We don't like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Drugs are very bad. Uh, so, so meanwhile, while we're getting all of this exposition dump, Trish is changing in her stall, thinking about how somebody wants her dead as her six protectors just stand around and <laughs> don't pay attention. It's the most secure bathroom in the world. <laughs> no one knows about it. It's... <laughs> this bathroom was just now discovered. Can you breathe in the purple zone? Because that's where I would keep her. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Then all you got to do is make sure that nobody kills Bucciarati so she doesn't, like, starve to death in there forever. Yeah. Bruno has straight up hidden inside the body of another person that was smaller than him with mm-hmm. the zipper zone. So you could just stuff Trish in any of these dudes, just zipper zone them. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he could go with her, so then, like, you can always get in and out, but nobody else can get in. It's the most locked door ever, the zipper zone. <laughs> yeah, zipper zone. Pericolo is just giving them their, their orders, which is just, mm-hmm, hey, mm-hmm. it's this is only going to take, like, a week at most. Tops. Tops. Yeah, because the boss is really good at tracking down and uh, uh, absolutely destroying anyone who wants to find out who he is. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not going to be too long. You got to worry about this. Yeah. And Pericola goes like, by the way, though, everyone who wants to nab the boss's daughter and kill him, they're almost definitely all stand users, by the way. <laughs> Anyways, bye. I don't have a stand. I'm going to die. <laughs> Well, th- this means that uh, Pericolo here has been fending off stand-using assassins. I don't know how long, but even like 10 minutes seems to be pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to go fishing with this guy. <laughs> yeah. He could be my grandpa. And so Pericolo just, just leaves. Trish is uh, in their care now. Trish comes out of the bathroom and her outfit. She looks like Narancha in a wig. Mm-hmm. That's, that's who this is. Her... So her top is like Polnareff's top, but what if it were snipped with scissors to take the shape of a bra? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and she's got a math skirt. She's got a very mathy skirt. It is covered in in like the the er- the four arithmetic signs. <laughs> yeah, her choker has the same pattern, where the one oh, yes. strap of her top goes goes up to connect. Yeah, yeah. She she comes out. She goes up to Fugo, and she's like, "Hey, take your jacket off." Huh? Why? And then he just takes the, the, she calls it a jacket, but it's a shirt with holes cut in it. <laughs> it's a jacket. I guess. He just wears it as a shirt. <laughs> I guess so. And when he does this, she just tell like, stuffs money in, in his jacket mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. something and just says, hey, I need you to go buy me a bunch of shit. I really need <laughs> uh, the n- latest issue of Vogue. I need nylons. 
Don't get the shitty ones from the drugstore. <laughs> she would rather die than drink non-French sparkling water. <laughs> yes, yes. It has to be from France. Uh, so so Trisha's English voice uh, it was Hinata in Tokyo Revengers and mm. Freddy in Gundam Bill Divers Rerise. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was a, a tiny little furry boy recently, uh, while her Japanese voice was Haru in Beastars. Oh, okay. First season of Beastars, good. Second season, not so much. But but yeah, when, when Trish was introduced and being narrated about, I expected one of two characters, either this like poor waifish thing who, who's not fit for, for the, the dangers of the, you know, the, the criminal underworld mm-hmm. or the, a, a sort of weird little like sassy escape artist gremlin who's going to be like giving these guys the slip all the time <laughs> yeah. to, to get out of this gilded cage and, and go live her own life she is neither of those things she is neither of those yeah. absolutely not yep i mean the very first thing she does in the entire show is cqc grab that Narancha. is true that is true <laughs> and almost stab him to death in, instead, she is just really resigned to the situation and is willing to make it work for her yep. by ordering around these six new dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's not going to make their job hard on them, but she's going to, to be as pampered as she can in hiding, damn it. Because you know what? I deserve to be treated well. Yep. <laughs> and I feel like there should be a mid-episode title card here when there's not. Mm, Instead, yeah. we just hard cut to a different like vein of action where a squirmy cat is keeping a dude from his ICQ messages. <laughs> yeah, this dude has to post and this cat is keeping him from doing it. Um, <laughs> you get to see the, this chat window uh, start populating with messages with all these other characters that uh, are very briefly not introduced, but you see them. Uh, and you mm-hmm. see some of their names in the in the chat room here. We, we, we've got uh, Gyakio, Formaggio, Prosciutto, <laughs> Iluso. In this chat room is a bunch of people talking about, hey, uh, Popo's dead. Popo's dead. So, so this dude finds out that Popo's dead. But what he doesn't know is, okay, well, who's got Trish then? Because Popo was supposed to get Trish and then didn't. So what, what's up? What's up? Mm-hmm. And it's all it's all going down in the group chat, basically, while while they try to figure out a plan and, and talk about how capable Pulpo was going to be. And like, really? Really? Mm-hmm. If Pulpo is so capable, it's only because of his resources and his underlings, because Black Sabbath is a stand that's only good at doing the entrance exam. <laughs> yeah, you're only going to be able to escort Trish with Black Sabbath at night. Like, oh, you're you're trying to kill this kid? Uh, here, take this lighter. Okay, now blow it out. Trust me. That <laughs> <laughs> ain't gonna work. That's not gonna happen. Yeah. And so I would be much more afraid of Bucciarati because he has inherited all of uh, uh, Pulpo's resources and his underlings, who are his best friends and <laughs> seem to like him a lot more than they ever liked Pulpo. Oh, yeah. And he has a fucking scary stand. Yeah, Zipperman is pretty damn strong. <laughs> Zippers are powerful. This guy decides, well, uh, if it's not Pulpo, it's got to be some other capo who's got her now. So mm-hmm. uh, just got to do some research on these capos and, and see what's up. Uh, and while he's doing this, he's picked up the cat and he's doing something with the cat. And when he leaves, he has somehow put the cat upside down in a glass bottle. Mm-hmm. This is, of course, a reference to the classic police song, Kitty in a Bottle. <laughs> 
And now we get the Met episode title card. It is the the all of the people we've seen this episode on a relationship map. Yeah. Different groups circled with arrows going between and, and labeling how they relate to one another. Mm-hmm. Back in the action, we, we've cut ahead some number of hours. And Narancia is loading up a car with a whole bunch of groceries. And he, he's talking to himself about how he has to drive this long, double-back, tail-losing route to get to the vineyard hideout. Yeah, And he's got a little dancing guy keychain. Oh, yes. I love his little dancing guy keychain. Yeah, it's great. And as he's driving, we get a, a flashback to Narancia getting the orders to get the groceries <laughs> and, and do this whole convoluted route with the, the car uh, from Fugo. We just keep getting nice little like high detail close up shots of the little dancing guy keychain. <laughs> <laughs> it's not <laughs> It's not significant. It's at not all. <laughs> It's just a little dancing guy keychain. He's very prominent in every shot he's in. Uh <laughs> And, and so Fugo has, has planned out the perfect route uh, uh, to, to find and eliminate any sort of tale that might come at any point in the process. And he, he's making sure Narancia recites it back exactly. And you know it's not going to work. So you know Fugo's going to flip his shit on this kid. Yeah. Have anyone else do this. Narancia can barely do math. How is he... So- <laughs> And now he has to take care of a math lady. It's yeah. not going to work. This is, yeah, doomed to fail. Doomed to fail. But Abakio tries to keep the, the peace by reminding everyone that, okay, okay, Bruno said that this is Narancia's job, and we all know why. It's because Narancia has the perfect stand to eliminate anyone following him. Mm-hmm. Knowing how this, this upcoming fight goes, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Maybe if Narancia were a, a different person who is smarter and more resourceful, maybe, yeah. Technically, he might have a good stand for this situation, but it's Narancia. With that flashback finished, we're back in the now, and his gut, Narancia's like, instincts are telling him that something is off about this. Because mm-hmm. he's at the point where he has to ditch one car and pick up the other car. <laughs> yes, we got we got switchover cars. And the second car is talking to him. Yeah, that, that would tell me that something's up too. <laughs> and so Narancia is like looking under the car and stuff. He's looking for the source of the voice. And when he stands back up, there's just a dude in the car now. It, it is the cat man uh, uh, from that, that uh, group text earlier. He has... Like pinstripe pants, which mm-hmm. are pretty fucking cool. His bare, muscly chest is covered by a, a vest that's attached right at the top, kind of similar to Fugo's jacket, but it's a yeah. vest. And, and a short sleeve jacket that is unzipped wide open, covered in metal studs around the shoulders and chest. That's also pretty cool. Yeah. When I first saw it, what, uh, like the first shot you see him in full, the, the studs aren't shaded the way they are in other shots. So it makes it look like the, just the shoulders of his jacket are covered in bowcap balls. <laughs> you know, what if he is? What if he is? What if he is? There's got to be some type of stand that you could make based around motion capture. That would be pretty cool. I don't know. Uh, M- Moody Blues is sort of Moody Blues is sort of that. Yeah. I'm just imagining that Araki could make a pretty cool looking stand just based around the look of mocap suits. While, while Moody Blues is a Winamp skin. Very different. Very different technology. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Imagine if you could change the skin on Moody Blues. Just turn him <laughs> into a, a Naruto skin. So Narancia has pulled out 
His switchblade is immediately obviously getting ready every it's, time. It's 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 his starting action for every situation. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's just waving it around this dude who's in the back seat. Uh, and this dude is as cute as cool as cucumber. He does not care about this knife being waved around in front of him. He introduces himself. In fact, his name is Fermaggio, which means cheese. <laughs> this is a, the cheese man. <laughs> this is the cheese man. Uh, his English voice, speaking of Beastars, uh, uh, he dubbed Lagoshi, and he's oh. also Tatsu, the titular way of the house husband. Oh, okay. While his Japanese voice is Kazuma Sato in Konosuba. So there okay. you go. All right. And so this guy is basically straight up telling Narancha, just like, hey, so uh, Polpo's like dead. And <laughs> have you ever thought about how they're going to cremate a dude like that? He's so big. They're probably going to have to like, I don't know, chop up his body into little pieces or something. I feel like cremating Polpo would be pretty simple if you can just get him back into mattress mode. Oh, yeah, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's... just slide right in. Yeah. Mr. Cheese here just starts laughing about that. And Narancha does not have the poker face that, that many of his teammates do. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Narancha, his his only uh, response is just go like, be clearly unnerved and just say, go, hey, uh, shut up. <laughs> Sh- <laughs> shut up. This guy just goes like, hey, you think that's pretty funny too, right? And like kind of tilts his head over like he's talking to someone behind Narancha and Narancha just goes like, huh and turns around there's nobody there and it's no no it's just a total fake out and he falls for it hook line and sinker which is the just the the opening in his defense that uh uh, mr cheese needs to summon his stand little feet little feet (laughs) or tiny feet in the localization (laughs) tiny feet which is very good tiny feet so so little feet the stand is spelled like well, like tiny feet, but it's based on a band who is spelled like a, a, a little accomplishment kind of feet. Yeah, yeah. So it's already changed. You don't have to. <laughs> Although tiny feet is very funny. I do like it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like tiny feet a little bit more. And this is one of the most robotic stands. Like it looks like its arms could extend on, on little like actuators, but they yeah. don't. yeah. It's got sort of a motorcycle helmet sort of head with big bared teeth. Uh, I guess we're in the, the bared teeth zone but between uh, <laughs> Little Feet and uh, and craft work. Excuse me, yes. arts and crafts. Arts and crafts. But it, its most unique characteristic is one long index finger that, that extends to like a razor sharp point yeah. that's like twice the length of any of the other fingers. Yeah. When Narancha here, you know, has a opening his defense here he just gets punched by the stand nothing fancy he just gets decked <laughs> by it uh and so narancha after getting knocked down to the ground summons his own stand aerosmith <laughs> and aerosmith is a little plain it's just, it's just a, a little, little plain yeah. <laughs> it's got bombs it's got machine guns but it is just a little plain uh so so aerosmith the band like th- this is being written in like I think we're in 1996 now. They were basically at their height. They're just coming off of Get a Grip, their best-selling album ever. Mm -hmm. Won two consecutive Grammys for best rock performance off of songs from that album. We're talking like Crazy, Cryin'. Aerosmith is top of the world right now. Yeah, yeah. While the band Little Feet was formed when uh, Lowell George got fired from Frank Zappa's band. Okay. 
and took a, a several other founding members uh, of Little Feet from Zappa's band. And he tells the story a few different ways. But in the end, like they, they became successful because Zappa set them up with a uh, deal with the record label. It, it was a very amicable firing. Okay, okay. But yeah, they're a, they're a pretty decent like early seventies uh, uh, southern rock band mm. that is listed as like a inspiration to to some of the the English blues rock bands that are much more associated with JoJo's. Yeah, yeah. So Aerosmith here in the the English localization is changed to Lil Bomber. <laughs> it's adorable, Lil Bomber. Uh-huh. I almost kind of like that more, just because it's cute sounding. It's very cute. We've got and two. I, we this whole episode here, we got two stands fronting each other that have cute localized names: Little Feet or Tiny Feet and Lil Bomber. It doesn't look so much like a, a fighter plane as like a toy of a fighter plane, right? It's got really exaggerated yeah. angles, and the tail fins stick up so high, and it's got this really cool, like bright red paint job. Hell yeah, yeah, and it's like the exact size of like an rc plane maybe yes, a little bigger maybe yes. a tiny bit bigger because of the wingspan but it's like bulbous it's almost like a sort of super deformed style yeah yeah and so aerosmith just starts shooting the car this dude is in with a hail of gunfire and <laughs> meanwhile narancha is just kicking the shit out of the side of the car and slowly <laughs> denting it yes. <laughs> we have never i don't think we've ever had a stand user that's just as a default state flying off the handle and and yeah. even for villains we've never had that i don't think <laughs> yeah and so like okiyasu would tell this guy to just like okay calm down breathe come on now and so this guy who was super cocky and and chill and in control earlier is just like trapped in this car trying to rapidly punch all these bullets away and he's going like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wow fuck i didn't expect this dude to be fucking crazy <laughs> and so little bomber flies in a shattered window and drops a bomb that totally vaporizes the interior <laughs> while narancha is continuing to treat this car like it's the fucking street fighter 2 bonus stage <laughs> yeah but of course mr cheese escapes you, you couldn't expect a fight to, to be that quick oh, yeah. because he is a shrinky dink. Yes. That's what he can do. He's a little shrinko. Yep. Tiny feet. And tiny rest of them, too. Altogether tiny. Yep. What, what if his stand only made your feet tiny <laughs> and then you just fall over because you, yeah. couldn't, you couldn't balance on the tiny feet? That's still pretty effective, I think. Maybe more as a support stand, but it, that's really <laughs> useful. So there's a there's a bit here where Naranj is just like, where the fuck did he go? His corpse isn't in there. And like he has his back turned to the car. And this dude is just a really tiny, like Ken doll sized version of himself on top of the car. And he just hops in Naranj's little pocket. Yeah, he's he's going to spend a large part of this fight just hitchhiking in Naranj's skirt. <laughs> yeah. So so now that he has a better view of what Naranj was doing, he's like, oh, Doing some shopping, getting some groceries, huh? Getting some women's nylons, huh? Wait a minute. I think you're the guy I'm looking for you to be. (laughs) (laughs) I think you got that girl I want to get. He has a lot of insight into why a guy would buy those particular type of nylons. Mm -hmm, Like... mm -hmm. That, no, that wouldn't be his mother. Somebody's mom wouldn't get sexy nylons like these. It's not his girlfriend either. <laughs> Clearly, this is the daughter of a mob boss. 
Yeah, yeah. The thing that really makes it click for him is women are so particular about their nylons. They always buy them on their own. They wouldn't trust anybody else to do it unless they were locked up in a safe house for their own (laughs) protection. (laughs) Just a little bit of extra research. After checking with precisely one woman, I believe that Formaggio's logic here is sound. However, the scene does fall into question because uh, Trish doesn't wear any sort of hosiery at all. Like, look, look, look at her. Why is she buying them? She's not wearing them. As as Narancia is like trying to find his quarry, we notice he he visually shrinks like an yes. inch or so. And this this is foreshadowing of what's to come. The arc where Narancia has to move to Morio, where where the like <laughs> civic infrastructure is fit for small people. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's the uh, cliffhanger for this episode. <laughs> Him getting slightly tiny. The the way the wiki lists the uh, manga anime differences for for part five is so itty bitty nitpicky tiniest details. Oh my god! Like d- down to like when all the guys are in a lineup, who is standing in front of or next to who? If that changes, that is significant enough to note. Right. But every once in a while, there, there's one that's just fun on its own still. Like, the brand of stockings Durancha bought for Trish in the anime is listed as calza, which is literally the word for stocking in Italian. Mm. In the manga, though, originally, he bought Good Up brand. <laughs> <laughs> good Up. Good Up. Good Up. And that brings us to Episodio Dieci, the Hitman team. Ah. And we start, of course, with a sort of fast-forward recap of, of their the, the fight so far, such as it is. Mm-hmm. And the first new thing is that the locals are noticing the commotion. People are coming out in the streets like, hey, it sounded like a tiny toy plane dropped a gigantic bomb. <laughs> What's going on yeah, out here? The, the people of Italy are uh, far more quick to react to explosions than the people of Mario are. <laughs> Well, it's not raining. It's a totally different situation. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, uh, Naranch is like, oh, man, I'm I'm not down with collateral damage. I, I got to cool it now. Calm yeah. down here. So he, this is the coolest thing about Aerosmith today. It's to so me. cool. It's, it's so, so cool. cool. So, so to summon or dismiss Aerosmith, what Naranja does is he sticks his arms out wide and, and leans his head forward a little bit to make a runway yes. for either takeoff or landing. Yes. And, and it just appears out of nowhere, either appears or disappears out of nowhere behind his head. It's, so it's like a, a cross between an airplane stand and a cool basketball trick. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's so good. It's really cool. It's... Like in the OP for this chunk of the show, when mm-hmm. everyone in the final part of it is just doing their stand stuff, this is the main thing Narancia does in it. Like it shoots <laughs> a couple of bullets, but the main thing is just this really cool like arm runway thing, and it looks dope. Oh, it's so good. Like his stand even has landing gear it can retract and, and deploy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's it's time to collect his stuff, and this is again where we learn just how very simple a boy this this boy is. <laughs> so he puts on his shoe that that fell off when he was kicking the the hell out of this car, mm-hmm. and his shoe's a little too big. And he picks up his switchblade that he drops, <laughs> and he's like, "This isn't my switchblade. My switchblade is not this large in my hand. Who who's leaving switchblades around here?" <laughs> And every single, like, cut, every different shot, he's a little bit smaller. 
and yeah. a little bit smaller. Yeah. And he's not getting that he's getting a little bit smaller to the point that the Mr. Cheese in his pocket says, quote, you're a special kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's just Naranja turning into a tiny little bo- baby boy and just not <laughs> getting it. His switchblade is a sword for him now. Like, <laughs> like he gets in this car that's riddled full of bullet holes, has a massive dent in it from him kicking the shit out of it, has clearly been exploded, but he's like, I can't reach the pedal. The seat is so big. This isn't my car. Where did it go? <laughs> <laughs> so around here is when Formaggio is is just like, he is talking to nobody, it seems, but boy, that's not going to stop him. He, no, he's no. ranting and monologuing about everything from under the sun, and he's very dismissive of Formaggio. And like, there is a sub-dub difference here that I think is worth pointing out that he has a catchphrase mm. in the subtitles where he's just always saying, it can't be helped, it can't be helped, Yes. blah, 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 blah. In the, the dub script, that is just part of his mood, that he's just very dismissive, kind of above it all, and it gets translated to different phrases nearly every time. Yeah. It can't be helped can show up a lot in, in anime subs, and also dubs, honestly, depending on how they're localizing it. It is just like a phrase... That's pretty common in Japan that just almost always gets translated as it can't be helped. <laughs> like once you realize mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it gets said a lot, you hear it everywhere. <laughs> but uh, uh, one of the other things he says is he calls Narancha jailbait from inside his pocket. Yes. Yeah. And once again, I am not checking the AO3 tags on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep thinking how if Narancha were more observant and smarter when Formaggio here is just hitching around in his pocket, if he'd noticed that before he shrunk too much, he could have just like slapped him really hard in his pocket <laughs> and like the fight would be over. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but Narancha has eventually realized that he is indeed in a stand fight. And, and, and so he says, quote, let the pissing contest begin. <laughs> Which is an accurate description of more stand fights than I care to admit, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Then the, the OP comes again. And so uh, uh, back at the vineyard safe house, uh, Trish is just like, hey, should I give up on the mineral water or what? Uh- <laughs> I really need that French water. I'm going to die of thirst. <laughs> and Fugo is scared for his little buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Misa's just like, my little guys have to eat. My gun is hungry. <laughs> My gun needs prosciutto. <laughs> we haven't met him yet. He's just in the group chat. I don't know which one he is. Yeah. Uh, so so back in the fight, Naranch is like, okay, I got to I got to tell the guys that I did get a tail, and uh, uh, that I'm trying to take care of it, but I I gotta fucking tell him. And he sees a storefront that has payphones inside. And so he goes up to the automatic door, and he's too small. He doesn't weigh enough to open it. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I, I didn't time it out. I don't know what came out first. This uh, uh, in the manga or that one episode of Two Stupid Dogs. I don't know who's cribbing oh from here. Oh, my God. But <laughs> <laughs> I remember that episode. <laughs> I haven't thought so about he... Two Stupid Dogs in 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> So he does figure out how to how to trigger the the like weight detecting mechanism, and it is running and taking a flying leap to to just like stomp down on it with the maximum amount of force he can manage, which does do it. Yep. 
And he, he just cheers by saying, quote, and that's the way to open a door. Like, yeah, okay, celebrate vi- small victories. It's important <laughs> in life. We How about a little self-care? You know, G- get yourself a bottle of the fancy French water. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the door closes right on his neck and, yeah. and holds him in place. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, Formaggio in his pocket is just like, this guy's dumb as fuck. He needs money to, <laughs> to make a phone call. <laughs> And the money in his pockets is too small, and the food card in his pocket won't won't fit in the slot anymore. It's all shrinking with him. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, and so Narancha screams and comes up with uh, his new tactic, which is to summon Aerosmith and just shoot everything. He shoots the the door, <laughs> shatters it. He shoots a payphone, like the the little section of the payphone where all the coins are, so he could just pick up a giant coin and slot it in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so this is the first time we get a measurement for Narancha. Every once in a while, uh, uh, a subtitle will come up and just give us his current height in yes. centimeters. And right now, he's sixty two and a half. That's a little bit over two feet tall. So Narancha right now is shorter than the average two-year-old. Yeah, tiny. And so he climbs up onto the the like little shelf that contains the the box for the the like change to the phone phone book. Right. Mm-hmm. He he climbs up on there, scrambling up like fucking Woody trying to escape daycare. And just when he's about to call the phone number that that he like wrote down on his arm. Because the boy's not good with numbers. Mm-hmm. Little Feet has uh, uh, sliced all of the phone cords. Yeah. Whenever I see this episode, I just think, man, this looks like it'd be a fun video game level. You know how platformers <laughs> frequently have the level where you're just tiny? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's this. That's this whole fight. So he's now 58 centimeters. He hasn't shrank that much. He's now just a, a shade under 23 inches tall. Mm-hmm. Meaning that these payphone like handsets that are as tall as him, <laughs> this is the biggest payphone I've ever seen. <laughs> it's yeah, it's huge. It's it's like the size of a payphone for like a prop comic or something. <laughs> so he is still getting smaller. Even though scale is not like you didn't have to put numbers on it, you you did yeah. this to yourself. You didn't have to do this. Yeah. Uh, uh, but he's getting desperate. He's got to find Mister Cheese, and somehow he finds him in his hiding place and grabs him. Yeah. And, and is like ready to fucking fee fi fo fum his ass. <laughs> there, there is a bit right before he gets grabbed where. You know, Formaggio is just sticking halfway out of of Naracha's pocket. And this is when Mm -hmm. Aerosmith slowly hovers by. And because Formaggio is so tiny now, Aerosmith is like the scale of a real plane now. And the sounds (laughs) of his propellers are way louder and deeper like it's a war plane. (laughs) I love it. So so Narancha has a tiny Mr. Cheese in his hand, and then he's like, oh man, I gotta think fast. I I gotta get out of here. And he disappears in a puff of smoke, and all that is left is a ballpoint pen that is stabbed through Narancha's hand and returned back to regular size, so it's like he got stabbed with a spear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, he's he's just got this thing stuck through his hand, and he's gone, so Narancha runs back outside to try mm-hmm, and chase mm-hmm. him down. This dude has already latched onto... Forget, what what is he latched onto? Oh, it's like the back of a road sign. Yes, He's just yes. hanging on the back of a road sign. And he's thinking to himself about his clever little escape. He didn't just disappear into a puff of smoke. No, he, he stabbed Narancha with a pen and then immediately returned it back to normal size, which, which gave 
him the the impetus, the the incredible force to fling him at at uh, speeds faster than the eye can track all the way across the street. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't die from that. Good job. No, 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 no. Meanwhile, Narancia is now 53 centimeters, or about 21 inches, showing that everything in Italy is just made for giants. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't... Yes, yeah, it's, it's the opposite of Morio. Uh, <laughs> and this guy's trying to figure out how Narancia was able to figure out he was in his pocket. He's just like, was I just wiggling around too much? And as he thinks this, Aerosmith is right well, behind him. Was it because I can't shut up? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. It can't be helped. So so Aerosmith shows up and takes a strafing run, uh, uh, hits him in the ankle. These boys love to shoot ankles. Mm-hmm. And just like, yeah, tur- turns the sign to Swiss cheese. Yeah. This whole bit here, when he's getting chased by Aerosmith, looks really good. Aerosmith looks really good. Aerosmith is the first stand to be exclusively a 3D model. Yeah, yeah. It's just cool. Yeah. (laughs) It looks otherworldly, and it's like a a weird painted object hanging in the sky. Yeah. Kind of how I imagine a stand would feel in reality. Mm -hmm. I I am, uh, I, I feel emboldened in the statement I made back when we met Harvest. Oh, yes. Stands should maybe be 3D models. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if they were the quality of the OPs, but even the, if they were the same as just like Little Bomber here. Mm-hmm, yeah, that mm-hmm. would look great. Again, I'm sure it also helps that Little Bomber has very few moving parts. It oh, just yeah. Has... <laughs> it's just a model that just hovers around. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, the uh, Formaggio is shot in the ankle and ha- has run and hidden himself away again. And this time he's hanging from a, a sewer grate. Well, there there is a midpoint in between because he uh, uh, is hiding underneath like mm, yeah. the the tire of a car, and uh, he, he's afraid the heat is gonna gonna bear down on him there. So little feet with its big pokey finger uh, cuts an X in the tire and propels him away with a big jet of air <laughs> yeah. in what I like to call the Acura Special. <laughs> and that is what brings him to to the, the sewer drain. Yeah. And this is where Formaggio is starting to figure out a little bit that like, okay, clearly there's something going on with the plane mm-hmm. uh, that it can track me really well even when I'm hiding from it. And yeah, Narancha finds him immediately. He barely has time to register the giant spider looking at him with big red eyes <laughs> or the like 40 rats also looking at him with their their scary red eyes. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, he, he gets spotted and uh, uh, like flak fire uh, uh, starts destroying the, the storm drain grate that he's hanging from. And so he falls into the water and, he, and he's pinned down in there. And then we get a crossfade to a toilet. <laughs> Because the narrator wants us to meet even more men. Yep. There's so many men. Time to introduce the Hitman team. There's nine of them. There's nine of these men. With Formaggio being one of them. Yeah, yeah. So two years ago, uh, Formaggio is is in the middle of a job. He has a car that he shrunk down to the size of like a, a grain of rice. <laughs> yeah. And he very smoothly uh, uh, drops it in, like, the champagne flute of a member of parliament. Yeah. And then he sits down with a subset of his nine-man team in this restaurant. The only one I want to talk about today is is Pesci, <laughs> whose name means fish, plural fish, fishes even. Yes. Uh, and he is a living vegetable man. Yeah. He... he looks like some sort of rutabaga given life. <laughs> His his head and his neck are one and the same. There there's no chin here. It's just oh, he's disgusting. 
And yeah, his hair just sprouts out from the middle like a f- like it's the top of a fucking pineapple or something. He is hideous. This man is a three-episode background Muppet. <laughs> some, some things to know about Pesci. He loves milk. Coffee gives him tummy trouble. And the team all call him a big old mama's boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, because there are so many, I don't want to just make the whole rest of the episode cast notes like, I don't know, a week ago. So I'm only going to talk about Pesci today. His English voice is is uh, Unibo and Daruk the Gorons in Breath of the Wild. Oh, okay. While his Japanese voice is also Kamen Rider Vice airing now. He's like the current oh, Kamen Rider. And is cast to dub Idris Elba's Knuckles in the <laughs> Sonic movie sequel. Yeah. Pesci's drinking milk. He's being told by another one of the members of this team that drinking milk is very lame. Don't do that. Yeah, we we just sort of get like a vibe of this crew. And mostly they are kind of the opposite of, you know, Bruno's team. They rag on each other and then they they bust each other's chops, but they mean it. They are not actually friends. They just, it's the only way they can relate to one another because they do not like each other. (laughs) Yeah. And now we get a title card for for Little Bomber. I kind of want to make that the official name of the show. I like it better than Aerosmith. Yeah, Little Bomber. It's just so cute. It's great. And also like the the title card here for Little Bomber, the background behind him yeah, is so right? cool looking. It makes this title card looks like you just drew out a holographic rare from a JoJo training <laughs> card game. That's what this looks like and I want that card. Uh, so, so back in the action, uh, this assassin crew is, uh, watching their, their target and his date, secretary, wife, mistress, who knows, doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Uh, uh, they, they leave. And one of these soon to be named assassins is licking his lips, watching the, the lady's heels as she goes. That'll be a fun episode. Uh, (laughs) and then once they get outside, Mr. Cheese uses his power to return the, the itty-bitty car to regular size, exploding this man horrifically. <laughs> yeah. His stomach swells up to massive size before it hard cuts to a full-size car exploding out of him. And just the whole top half of him is just gone, vaporized. There's just a pair of legs. Mm-hmm. And the woman screams as a car erupts out of, the, out of this man. And then the car falls on her, crushing her into a bloody paste. god damn yeah it's a lot yeah (laughs) it's a lot it's like one of the most brutal like deaths in jojo is this dude exploding from a car coming out of him and so the the crew gets back to to their like clubhouse i guess we meet even more of the assassins the, the ones that didn't go out to dinner tonight yeah and again they're all just in a big competition to be the baddest of the baddest asses. And yeah. like, they're not a supportive crew. I, I bet they don't even rehearse choreography together. What's oh, the no. point of being in the mafia if this is going to be your, your boys? Yeah, like they're ragging on Formaggio like, hey, that was a pretty good job to do for your shitty stand that can only do that <laughs> stupid thing that sucks. <laughs> uh, there's a guy here. Like we'll we'll get to their names some other time, but like there's there's a dude here who has black sclera and is wearing a jester hat, <laughs> a fashionable jester hat. So yeah, all these guys suck, and I can't wait for them to die. <laughs> yeah, two of the guys here named Gelato and Sorbet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll be seeing more of them soon, mm-hmm. inside and out. Uh, yep. 
So you know the worst part of the Assassin Squad? What's that? The drugs. Yeah. <laughs> drugs are bad. You gotta wrap your... If, if you're going to enjoy Golden Wind, you have to find a way to deal with the, the dissonance of mafia cool, drug trade bad. <laughs> yeah. What do you think the mafia is, though? <laughs> yeah, it, it's going for like this... Giorno's dream is to be like the type of noble criminal that like characters in the Yakuza games are, where it's like, okay, they're a crime family, but they do good things when they need to be done. And also you never see them do the crimes. (laughs) It's just a big quirky family that is extorting people and, and has like protection rackets and stuff. But that's only the lackeys do that. These guys are nice. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So we're we're learning that t- times were good, but you know what really makes a, a mafia turn bad? It, it's when there are cheap drugs coming in from from uh, uh, various regions of of Asia that that uh, can be sold for incredible, ridiculous markup on the streets, and that's mm-hmm. where people start to lose their way in, in the sights of this filthy, lucrative drug business including the previously mentioned uh, uh, sorbet and gelato, who are, uh, uh, I don't want to say strongly implied because it's practically outright stated, but in every way other than actually saying it, are a couple. Oh, yeah. Like... (laughs) It is, yeah, straight up, straight up. And they've gone missing. We got to find them. Yep, they got to find them. Uh, They're also talking here about Pulpo how they want to kind of like take him out or or, mm-hmm, or they're mm-hmm. jealous of his position like hey we're the assassins the hitman team we're like the most capable fucking dudes in the entire mafia and we're not getting what we deserve because pulpo has pretty lucrative holdings running the gambling and the drug team obviously they're fucking swimming in it but what about us we're the goddamn assassins we, we deserve to be way richer than those people and so yeah we're seeing people from the hitman team at various locations kind of communicating with each other via laptop and and phones and all that trying to figure out where gelato and sorbet are and they're pretty sure that these two have got it in their heads they're going to find out who the boss is and they're going to try to take on the boss Mm -hmm. in order to seize the the drugs yeah exactly what we were told that these guys are doing two years later in the last episode but without trish's involvement that that's the only difference here really yeah eventually a phone call comes in from from formaggio who has found one of the two here Mm -hmm. Uh, i believe he's found gelato gelato has been asphyxiated sitting in a pile of blood while sorbet is still missing yeah and i really appreciate how everybody has these big chunky 90s laptops Yes, yeah, they're really chunky. And also how all text is in Italian. And if you, like, translate it, it's what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And as far as I can remember from being very, very, very out of practice, it's, like, grammatically correct Italian. Okay. I was always the worst at prepositions. I Uh, I don't know. I don't know when to use fra or any of the other ones. when, when, When were you learning Italian? It was my language requirement in college. Oh, okay. But yeah, on Gelato here, who has been asphyxiated, he's also been like tied up. There's a mm-hmm, little mm-hmm. note just attached to some of the ropes, and it just reads punishment. Again, in Italian. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so while they're like trying to, to figure out this this mystery, 
uh, a bunch of packages get delivered to their their little uh, uh, boys club, their, their dark room upstairs somewhere. <laughs> As they open them up, it's a bunch of frames, like shadow box frames. They're, they're like a couple inches deep in this sort of uh, uh, teal color that, is it Pesci recognizes? Yes, Pesci recognizes. Yeah, it's, it's the color that Sorbet always painted his nails. Yeah, and <laughs> so they take all of these these things out of their frames, and it's 36 pieces in total, and when they line them up, it forms like the entire body of... Yeah, uh, they were anonymously shipped a Body Worlds exhibit Yep, and uh, built it themselves in their living room Yep, to make the world's most gruesome dominoes. <laughs> Once everybody assembles the whole thing and then they just look at it and realize, oh shit, this is just sorbet and like three inch slices top to bottom. Uh, everyone just freaks the fuck out. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Sorbet's face is like frozen in fear. And they reason that the, uh, Gelato asphyxiated himself intentionally uh, because he was watching while bound and gagged and yeah. then killed himself by choking on his gag rather than, than go through the same process. Yeah. Because Sorbet was living through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And hey, guess what waits for Giorno if he continues down the golden path to his dream? Mm -hmm. I just want to do all the crimes, but no drugs. <laughs> And this is what I get. So so back in the future, two years after receiving the message, apparently it didn't fucking stick because <laughs> they're trying to do the same damn thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. It seems like a pretty ineffective message sent by the boss or a boss's handpicked assistant who likes to slice people and put them in frames. I don't know. Yeah, they seem uh, ready to try again because of the, the difference they think the boss's daughter will make in this whole thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But with that whole flashback out of the way, uh, we cut back to, uh, oh, yeah, this dude's underwater. He's tiny. He's in the sewer and he's getting pelted with bullets from <laughs> from an airplane. And this is when he figures out mm -hmm. how exactly Aerosmith is following him. Because you see, he must be tracking exhalations. He's got a carbon dioxide based uh, uh, radar. Yes. Because little bomber here starts shooting, but it shoots a bunch of rats in the water nearby him instead. So anything that breathes is showing up as as a blip on little bomber's tracking device, mm -hmm. just like how mosquitoes follow people. Which is why they always say that suffocation effectively prevents malaria infections. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's true. You can look it up. Huh. I didn't know that part. Anyone who dies of suffocation will not then get malaria. It's 100% effective. <laughs> and and Formaggio, realizing how exactly this, this stand is tracking him, figures out that like, oh, that's why Narancha like called his stand back a little bit earlier because a bunch of like innocent people were about and he didn't want to risk accidentally shooting them if they popped up on his radar. It's not like he cares about, you know, shooting people dead in the street or anything. Yeah. And so now we see a different part of Lil Bomber, the targeting gizmo. The targeting gizmo. <laughs> There's a little helicopter propeller just attached to an eyepiece to hold it in place hands-free. Yeah. He could just have like a little telescope or something or, or a handset. No, he's got a self-supporting uh, uh, helicopter radar eyepiece. 
And it, again, keeps the, the, the very toy-like aesthetic, the, the way it has yeah. like bulbous ball joints where, where rods meet to, to expand and contract. It's very good. It's very good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this displayed on the eyepiece is just like a straight up like fucking military ass looking radar. <laughs> yeah, Narancha is trying to track this dude down, but there's so many rats about and he's riding the rats. Yeah, he's uh, uh, disguised himself by being among the rats. You know, he, he's he's turned himself into a needle in a needle stack, essentially. Yeah. And, and from that camouflaged position, Tiny Feet comes up and, and like slashes on Little Bomber's wing, which causes Narancha's shoulder to erupt in a jet of blood. <laughs> mm-hmm. This this does not deter Narancha. He just takes a harder look at his uh his radar here, and he notices, hey, all these little blips coming up on my radar that are you know these dozens of rats just running around this sewer in one direction. Uh, there's a single rat that is giving. What off- if there was a stand called One Direction? One Direction. Oh shit! <laughs> it causes something to move in one direction, mm-hmm. and it can only do that. <laughs> That's one of the things it's used, but it's really a more vague, like, momentum control stand. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could work. That could be fun. Yeah, Narancia has noticed that on the radar, there is one rat that is giving off, like, a way bigger blip because it's breathing harder. It's a lot more tired than the other rats. Therefore, that must be a rat that this guy is riding on. (laughs) The rat's (laughs) tired of giving this guy a ride. So so yeah, uh, Narancha has found a way to to peg this guy by by tracking the most winded of the rats, <laughs> and Formaggio saves himself from certain death by embiggening himself, so that th- the even littlest bomber that little bomber has become, essentially it doesn't have the the caliber uh, yeah. to to really harm him anymore. Yeah, like he he's still riddled with tiny bullets and he's bleeding a lot, but it's not lethal. <laughs> Uh, and this is when Narancha realizes, like, wait, shit, I'm tiny. My bullets are tiny, too. No. He's so tiny. He's 13.2 centimeters tall. He's a little five-inch guy. He's the size of a 144th scale crossbone Gundam. <laughs> he is the smallest gunpla you can get. Aw. And that is the cliffhanger of that episode. How, how's he going to do this? Maybe this is the one time you got to shoot the mouth. Get get the really, like, yeah. thin skin at the back of the throat. Yeah. Just, just get swallowed and blow up his guts. Yeah, yeah. If your plane gets small enough, you can just drive right down his throat and bomb his stomach or something. I don't know. Hell yeah. That'd Hell be- yeah. Interspace this shit. Yeah, and that you know what? Even though Naranja didn't know it happens, that's, that's uh, payback for making that guy's stomach explode with a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Episodio Undici, Narancha's Aerosmith. Again, we have a quick recap of the last few few exchanges. Uh, Formaggio is big again. And now Narancha can live comfortably inside his shoe for the rest of his days. Yay. By the way, I just want to mention that, like, so his shoes, they're purple and they're, the top of them is, like, very flat. They're not really buckles. There's no strap or anything, but there's these buckle-like things on the top of both of his shoes that just look like lime slices or something. <laughs> or, or not lime slices, like pineapple rings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Narancia is, is like looking for cover, trying to get an advantage because now the game done changed. Uh, he's running across the, the now massive expanse of sidewalk relative to his size mm-hmm. to try to get toward this alley to, to for some cover. And there's a cat there and he shouts, you're in my way, putty tat. 
<laughs> which makes me wonder how popular Tweety Bird was in uh, uh, 1990s Italy. Mm. Was Narancia real into Space Jam when he was younger? <laughs> he would have been about 12 when Space Jam came out. Hmm. It's slightly too old for Space Jam to be like way into it, maybe. But I don't know. Narancia is also very dumb. So yeah, but like when you think of it in those terms. It's not unusual at all to, to be quoting Sylvester and Tweety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. But he is spotted uh, uh, as he tries to shoo away this cat and get uh, within a bunch of empty brown bottles. I don't, is that how recycling works in Italy? I don't know. And it's time to get stomped on. And there's a, a very, like, part four reminiscent wipe. There's a, a foot stomp wipe. Yes. As, as Mr. Cheese's shoe uh, uh, cuts the, the, the scene, but now he is shouting at Narancia, pinned under his foot, like, hey, give up the goods, tell me where the safe house is, uh, uh, who have you got waiting, uh, uh, any information would be very appreciated, or I kill you. But, but Narancia, he ain't no snitch. Yeah. Flashback time. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, I want to mention that, like, before Narancia gets stepped on, he gets like he gets neutralized by Formaggio here because he just pours a can of Sprite all over him. Yes, yes, you live by the Sprite, you die by the Sprite. Yeah, and also like Narancia gets rid of that cat that was trying to attack him by just shooting the cat in the forehead with Lil Bummer. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's okay. It's really tiny bullets. It just makes the cat annoy, and he runs away. Mm-hmm. It's basically <laughs> like water spritzing at this point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, flashback to Narancia's birth. He and I share a sign. Isn't that nice? Aww. <laughs> and then cut ahead immediately to 10 years later when his mother dies of a bacterial infection of the eye. Ah. Uh. It's, it's a very fast flashback. We're, we're flashing all over the place. So, so Narancia and his father are at the, the grave of his mother, Mela Girga. Mm-hmm. Do you want to guess what Mela means in English? Mela? I don't know. Melatonin? Like what? Apple. They're apple, apple and orange. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> apple and orange. I was trying to think. I was thinking, it was like, it's not going to be food again. There's so much food. Hell, yes, it's it is. Again. So so he's very concerned about the future, as any 10-year-old who's just had their mother die would be. And his father meets his questions by just silently turning and walking away. He's got a fucking Iceman for a dad. And that brings the OP. Jojo, full of bad dads. Full of bad dads. Is Narancia going to be adopted by Joseph? Is that the happy ending? <laughs> God, every part should have just had at least one character that gets adopted by Joseph by, by the end of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just an ever-growing family. Smokey, unofficially adopted by Joseph. <laughs> Oh yeah. When whenever Joseph dies and and Smokey shows up at his fu- funeral and delivers a, a eulogy, he will totally regard him as like a father in some way. I mean, he's already done it. He has practiced the eulogy from, <laughs> from yes. when they were only friends for a few months. Oh god, yeah, would he just pull out that old one or is it just like, well, I guess well, I got to update it. He would it. have to annotate it for some. <laughs> guess I guess I have to update this. It's no longer World War 2 cross out all these bits about like kind of working with the nazis for a tiny bit <laughs> uh so so Narancia, no longer feeling welcome in his home has begun running with child hoodlums in the streets yep they're running scams and stealing buns from the bakery <laughs> and so yeah Narancia is is just kind of like living in back alleys he's given some of this bread that he and his his friends have stolen to this this older man 
Sort of like an artful dodger type, an, an older uh, boy who's uh, running the scams. Yeah. And everybody, like, pays up the chain. And Narancho really looks up to this guy. He thinks of him as his big brother, idolizes the dude, and even is like, hey, you sh- if you want to be cool like me, you should dye your hair and look like me. And Narancho says, yes, I will do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's shown off to some friends, like, hey, how's it look? And they're like, this looks really bad on you, dude. And then <laughs> hard cut to, oops, uh, Narancia looks like the dude. And so the cops mistake him for this other guy. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he gets arrested. He, he takes the fall for, like, some, like, uh, uh, violent mugging because the, the old lady uh, uh, picks him out of the lineup for, for the hair. Yep. Maybe her eyesight's not so good. I don't know. And while Narancia is in the police station, he gets headbutted in the face yeah. uh, uh, from one of the people interrogating him. However, the subtitles uh, uh, have, like, the cop call the headbutting guy counselor. Yeah. Did Narancia get his ass kicked by his own lawyer? Oh, my <laughs> is God. Is that what I meant to believe? Oh, man. Maybe he's a state prosecutor who beat Narancia up. But yeah, regardless, yeah. it happened. And so after a year in childhood detention, he was released, but he still has that wound from the headbutt because now his eyeball is infected. Mm-hmm. It's really gross to look at. It's, I don't like looking at it's it. It's gross, yeah. And so, yeah, Narancia is... Ugh, man, I was just scrubbing through the episode and I saw his fucked up eye again. And but yeah, once he, he gets out of, uh, of juvie and is walking around town the alleyways and stuff there's like a bunch of rumors going around about him like he has been completely shunned by his old friend group the guy he took a fall for it's just like man look at this fucking look at this freak later and he's just like completely abandoned uh and this is when Durancha like finally accepts it like oh i was just the fall guy this guy never actually like cared for me fake friends man fake shit friends. sucks yep well, if if his street family won't take him in, he's still got a real family. T- time to go back home to uh, uh, Ice Dad's big old house. And Ice Dad still sucks. He Fuck still sucks. that guy. Still sucks. So yeah, it's he. Narancia's just out in the in the alleys, just eating out of garbage and stuff. And this is when uh, a young Fugo finds him. Fugo, who who's got a uh, outfit that uh, looks like what his outfit would become, but it's not quite there yet. Like, it hasn't evolved on the Pokemon chain to, to Fugo's final form. Yeah, so, like, all the areas where there are holes cut out in his his modern-day outfit, there's outlines of those holes on his previous version of his outfit, but they're still, like, they're not cut out. It's like he has perforations that he just got hasn't gotten around to, like, snipping... <laughs> with scissors yet or like, something like he's thinking about it like he's yeah. considering you know he's got training wheels before he really commits to, to cut out the holes yeah so fugo finds him brings him into the restaurant where we originally met the crew and then just shouts fucking all caps quote hey this kid needs a plate of spaghetti pronto <laughs> yeah <laughs> The first kindness that, that Narancia has ever seen since the death of his mother is, get this boy a sketty. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the most beautifully rendered, like, pipe and hot plate of spaghetti. They, they don't even fix him up a plate of spaghetti. Bruno takes a plate from his own table yes. that, that, like, was served to him and is like, this is your spaghetti now, my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then after having that that healing 
therapeutic plate of spaghetti. Bruno, like, it gets Narancia into a hospital to help fix his damn eye. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And this is, and after the surgeries and, and, and treatments and all that, Bruno comes into Narancia's room while, while he's recovering. just says, like, hey, if you want to join my gang, like... Don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, Br- Bruno is a man of kindness. He's a man of charity. He's a man who will call this boy a shithead to his face. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's a point where he tells Narancia, hey, if you fucking talk to me like that, I'm going to beat you senseless. Uh, And so Narancia went back to school. But school is not for him. His family is not for him. Nothing is for him but the the embrace of the mafia life, the the true honorable criminals that that stood by him and and gave him the tools he needed to, you know, not die of a bacterial infection when everyone (laughs) else was, you know, denying him safety. So, like, six months after this meeting, he just goes to Pulpo on his own, passes the test presumably gets gets stabbed and survives and has his little bomber now mm-hmm. and he gets his little badge and it's like hey hey Bucciarati, uh i didn't listen i'm in i'm on your team now <laughs> <laughs> yeah and with that flashback finished uh we go back to naracha being real tiny and stuck under his shoe and mr cheese still won't shut up uh yep. <laughs> Yep. Now, now what he wants to talk about is the specifics of this plan, because sure, sure, Trish has no uh, history with the boss. She hasn't met him any more than anyone else has. But you think the boss had a kid that isn't a stand user? <laughs> and do you seriously expect me to believe that the boss's kid's stand doesn't relate somehow to the boss's stand and therefore could be used as a clue to figure out his identity? Mm-hmm. Huh? Hmm? So now we're going back to like the Joe Star Vines of very early act uh, part three to explain what exactly is going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Formaggio is just going on and on uh, about that stuff. He pulls out a bottle mm-hmm. that's got uh, that scary ass spider in it, and he just tilts the bottle over. And he's just like, "Hey, I'm just gonna drop this big ass spider on you." Try and get the information out of you that way. The way he introduces it is so strange because he's like, hey, you ever heard of them venomous spiders whose bites can kill a man? (laughs) I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) I have a regular non-venomous spider, but it turns out kind of a misnomer because all spiders are venomous. And this one has plenty of venom to kill somebody your size. It was kind of a roundabout way of saying that, wasn't it? Anyway, have fun. (laughs) (laughs) So Little Bomber flies out and, and tries to like shoot this bottle out of his hand or something but it's, it's just too mm-hmm, tiny mm-hmm. it's not working out little feet just like grabs it in one hand yeah and now mr cheese is free to talk about exactly how spider venom works and like yeah dude i saw the hobbit i know you you got to tell me everybody knows how spiders work so narancia has been thrown into this bottle and a, a, a cork has been stuck in it so he's just trapped in there with a spider doing fist fight times yes it is time to I love I love the way part five characters are animated in motion, especially when they're doing like fight choreography. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Like outside of parts one and two, when it, it was all just sun punching, like this is the most actual like physical stuff JoJo characters have done in a long time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But yeah, the the bit where he's fighting this spider looks so dope. He's got like a little uh, glass shard he picked up from the that door he shot apart earlier. Yeah, he's he's been like a, a he's been resourceful lately. Like 
So he's he's stabbing that spider, but the spider's like shooting webs to to grab his arms and yank him in, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's cool. So he is eventually overpowered. He he he's facing an enemy with four times as many eyes and twice as many limbs as he has. It, it's really not fair in the end. Mm-hmm. But in the struggle, a slip of paper has fallen out of his pocket, and Mister Cheese has some teeny tiny delicate tweezers to go <laughs> grab it and return it to regular size. And wouldn't you know? It's the roadmap that that he had his very intricate plan drawn up on. Mm -hmm. And you can follow that plan all the way back to the origin. And Formaggio now knows uh, uh, exactly where the the vineyard safe house is. All is lost. (laughs) Yeah. And now it's a Little Feet title card. Hey, there's Little Feet. So yeah, Formaggio here is is just taking some time to just laugh about having, having the map. And this is when Narancha starts to explain how Little Bomber works, you know, tracks stuff by CO2. And it doesn't just track, you know, CO2 from living beings. It's, it's anything, anything that emits CO2. So like stuff that's on fire, for instance. And Narancha's just like, hey, I, I shot a car earlier, remember? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He he basically walks us step by step through the logic of his JoJo move. Yeah. So in in the end, his target for that strafing run where where uh, Aerosmith got grabbed out of the air was not the spider or the bottle or Formaggio. It was to shoot itty bitty bullets through the bigger previous bullet holes that penetrated the gas tank because he wants to ignite the gas in there <laughs> and have the car explode, which is exactly what happens. Perfect. Immolating Formaggio. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And- I have never seen anyone be more on fire than this man is. <laughs> yeah. Formaggio is mega on fire. Narancia is able to crawl out of that bottle and return to normal size. And get very upset that this means all of his groceries are on fire. <laughs> yeah. So Formaggio, of course, is surviving. Yep. And he swears his vengeance while exterminating the flames in a two-part process. <laughs> yes. Step one, use his stand to slash his own wrist and have a fountain of blood come out, like, straight up to fall upon him. And step two, shrink down itty bitty so that by relative volume, this blood is really going to coat him and smother the flames properly. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's so wild looking. He, it happens so quickly. Blood is the ultimate utility tool in the JoJo's yeah. Bizarre Adventure canon. It can make bubbles to carry your rings to people. <laughs> it, it can make blades. It can exterminate fire. What can't blood do? Yeah, blood is the ultimate weapon. It's great. So Narancha ha- has lost him. And now there's a bunch of flame everywhere. So mm-hmm. it's going to be harder to track this dude who's really tiny. And so he's he's just trying to book it, just really tiny, trying to run over to like this armored truck that's nearby. I guess it's not armored. It's just an older looking truck. Mm-hmm. It's going to take forever to reach there. And so Narancha just decides, you know what? What if I just drop bombs on everything to everything around here? <laughs> what if I just keep dropping bombs? What if ev- I blow up every single car in this block? And hey, even if you don't kill him, you've at least taken out every possible escape route, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so Formaggio returns to normal size. And he's looking rough as shit. Yeah. One side of his face is like all blistered up and his eyes all screwed up and bloodshot. This whole time, the color palette has shifted. So all the flames are purple. And he's got that nasty finger out. 
watch out, buddy. Watch yeah. out for the nasty foot touch. Do not get touched again. <laughs> <laughs> and we basically have a high noon showdown in the middle of a, a, a street that is entirely on fire. Everything is is burning. You know, just the flames are huge and roaring. And again, purple as they square up. And and Mr. Cheese is like, hey, at this range, I'm way faster than you. And Narancha says, yeah, bite my ass. Let's go. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, as, as soon as like one extra whoosh happens, that is the signal, I guess, uh, uh, that that it's go time. Formaggio lunges while Aerosmith does sort of like a, a barrel roll around the angry finger and then yes. just fills uh, uh, little feet with lead. And the damage is then transferred onto Formaggio, I think killing him. I'm pretty sure this one's dead. This guy's dead. The last dead. two I thought were dead, but this one I really think is dead. So when Lil Bobber comes out, it doesn't just come out. Narancha punches it at him. Yes. Like he, it's fist extend, you know, fist and arm extended. And that outstretched punch is the runway for uh, Lil Bomber to launch off super fast. It's really cool. <laughs> but yeah, this guy, pretty sure he's super dead. And Narancha is still just real upset that uh, uh, his mission was a failure. He did not get all the supplies they need. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nuts. Oh, man. And so Narancha makes it back to the, the vineyard hideout, and he's actually properly, his wounds have been properly dressed. I'm pretty sure he has not been stapled shut like Misto was. <laughs> all, all the regulars, all the old members of the gang are like, well, fuck, this sucks. This hideout's burned. We all got to move on the hurry, in a hurry to, to like get a new place. Mm-hmm. But Giorno is just like, hey, hey, guys. Let's think about what Narancha accomplished today. Let, let's look on the sunny side here. <laughs> Why don't we just reflect on the, the on the intel that our good uh, uh, friend and, and compadre here brought back to us? We we know uh, uh, who's after us. That's cool. We can pass mm-hmm. that up to the chain to the boss. That's probably good. And why don't we just wait for instructions? Yeah. And hey, they do they do get some some um, a message from the boss because uh, yeah, they basically immediately yeah that's yeah. that's when Bruno gets his first capo mail on his <laughs> chunky nineties laptop yeah it's like GameCube purple uh huh uh-huh. well he's got style yeah <laughs> so the the message they get here says uh, very secure you have to enter a password to even read the email go to the ruins of Pompeii mm-hmm, there's a mm-hmm. key hidden in the dog mosaic. Uh-huh. And so they're pulling out their maps and, and all that, and yeah. Yeah, they, they all just hit the tourist guides. This suddenly becomes a Carmen San Diego story. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it more later, but the Cave Canem mosaic is a real thing you can see in the ruins of Pompeii. It's just mm-hmm. like a big floor tile mosaic that says, beware of dog, with an image of a dog. Yep. When they get that key in the mosaic... The key will be to a vehicle that will uh, get Trish where she's going safely. Narancha guesses, oh, that's a helicopter. That's obviously going to be a helicopter. Yeah. Uh, so so the way they're going to go forward is Giorno, Fugo, and Abacchio are heading out to Pompeii to get this key, while uh, Bucciarati, Narancha, and uh, uh, Mista are staying in the vineyard with Trish. Yep. And as they, they all have their assignments, that is the end of the episode and the end of our topics for today. Mm-hmm. I forgot how much I like the, the, this intro fight with Narancha. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot a lot of the aspects of it. And I just really like the spider fight. <laughs> I like the spider fight a lot. 
If you were to break this fight into five second chunks, it's the best of them for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just punching, trying to punch a spider and then stabbing it with a shard of glass. <laughs> it's rad. I think my favorite part of that is like seeing the degree to which Naranche will plan ahead, will uh, uh, try to find little advantages and having them not work. Like, yeah. the easy JoJo thing is he, he has the shard of glass that was unexpected, and that is the key to victory. No, he just survives an extra two seconds, and it doesn't actually matter for shit in the long run of anything. Yeah. In a lot of other JoJo fights, him going like, aha, I meant to actually shoot that car earlier so it would eventually explode would be the end of the fight. But it wasn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just made for a cool final showdown where everything's on fire. The, the way it presents these two as sort of on par with one another uh, uh, the, the whole time with, you know, relative advantage and disadvantage switching uh, all the time. But mm -hmm. one of them being very cool and very assured and the other one just being fucking pissed off the whole time about everything. <laughs> also, kind of a, a, a switcheroo here with the, the structure of the stand fight in that the power set of the villain you learn about very quickly and it's pretty straightforward for the most part and the yeah, actual yeah. mystery and figuring out how the stand works is with the the hero's stand instead <laughs> that's true yeah yeah yeah. like half the fight is this dude is formaggio being on the run just trying to figure out how the hell this plane stand keeps finding him over and over it's it's a nice like uh reversal of that formula mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure and also little bomber is just really cool little bomber is very very good I'm sad that in these first three episodes uh, where Trish is introduced, we don't get to see much of Trish yet because uh, I like her. Yes. She she makes an impression for yep. sure. And I'm probably talking about more than the, the uh, skirt slit that goes all the way up to her waistband. But I don't know. <laughs> uh <-huh>. uh <laughs> yep. Again, when they say she's 15, I don't believe anyone. <laughs> right. Like, it's the same as with all the boys here. None of these muscly men are any younger than, like, 20 or 21. They're, they're TV 15. Yeah. They're, they're, they're CW yes. 15. Yes, absolutely. Trish is, like, 26. You can't fool me. <laughs> looking at, at tiny feet, looking at little feet, mm -hmm. and apparently it's robot face is inspired by a robot character in the, the comics work of Enki Bilal. Oh, who yeah. Is a, a French cartoonist and, and comic artist who is also part of the Louvre exhibition. Yeah. I forgot about this. But yeah, when you if you actually just look at the, the comparisons, they are so similar. Yes. It's straight yes. up just homage. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Tiny Feet. That's a game I play with my dog. <laughs> I just say tiny paws, tiny paws over and over again, and I pinch her paws, and she thinks it's fun. Oh. She she rolls over on her back and is just like, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She loves it. She loves playing tiny paws. Oh, man. Don't listen to anybody who says otherwise. It's I her favorite game in the world. I don't have any pets to play tiny paws with. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, these three episodes have a lot in them. Like, the whole... Like extra yeah. backstory you get about the boss and Trish and the whole new like goal of the team, as well as the backstory of Narancha and introducing his stand and introducing the Hitman team. Yeah, yeah. And they get their own fucking flashback as a crew. They get yeah. a shared flashback. Yeah, it's it's a whole lot in these three episodes. I forgot how much they packed into this. I thought this was just a fight with Narancha and Formaggio when I rewatched this. <laughs> 
Well, hopefully, hopefully next week's episodes won't be so uh, uh, fucking double stuffed Oreos of, of, <laughs> yeah. of, of uh, an event. Uh, we are back next time with uh, episode 12 y 13, the second mission from the boss. Oh, God. And Man in the Mirror and Purple Haze. <laughs> yeah. I'm both hoping and predicting that next week is Fugo's turn to come out of the background. Mm. Tell us more about this. The, the nicest boy with the biggest temper of, of uh, our Passione heroes. Yeah. Uh, and what the heck that stand is that does smoke in the OP. What does yeah. the smoke do? Yeah, it's very hard to tell what his stand does just from the OP. It just screams and smoke. I mean, I kind of like the, the weird mix of stands we have of like, okay, the the five guys that Giorno joins, we've seen four mm-hmm. of their stands. And two of them are essentially just gun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We have we have flying gun and we have minion gun, mm-hmm. and t- one of them is just an, an investigative toolkit, and the other is I, I guess the standiest stand. You know, like it can do punching, but it also has one weird structure or reality shifting thing it can do along the way that yeah. is potentially much more dangerous than the good punching it does. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's a decent variety of different powers i appreciate that not all of them are just humanoids either we got we got the plane there must be a model kit of aerosmith right oh (laughs) there must be yeah i don't think they've licensed this as much as the band aerosmith has licensed themselves for hot wheels toys and such (laughs) wow this is surprising to me because that would be fun to put together i bet Oh, just hit that with some like super gloss top coat. Imagine painting all the tiny little tick mark lines. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Like the best looking like little figure of Aerosmith comes with the Nendoroid of Narancia. <laughs> that's the best looking one I can see here. Oh, that's very glossy. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, he has a shiny little plane. And it even comes with the little uh, radar eyepiece thing. Oh, you gotta have that. I'm surprised, huh? I'm surprised they have the propeller uh, as a propeller and not like a disc implying it's like moving at propeller speeds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it even comes with a tiny little Mr. Cheese. Oh, shit. It does. That's very funny. It (laughs) does. That's really funny. Wow. I want this a little bit. The, the the tiny Mr. Cheese is what sealed it for me. <laughs> we got to get sponsored by Good Smile or something. Yeah, come on. They got a bunch of Moderoids coming out this year. I want I want I want their uh, uh, Shin Getter Robo. I want their Big O coming out this year. I didn't even know about the Moderoids. What are these? Just tiny robots? It is their line of yeah Mecha models. Oh man, they they, they seem to go for uh, licenses where there is a, a big enough audience to sell to, but a small enough lineup of actual like Mecha in the show mm. that you know Bandai or Kotobukiya don't want to snap up the license. Right, the little Pat Labor ones look really good. Oh yes, yes. That's the first one I got from them. I also have the Escaflone, and it's really good. Oh, man. Well, I guess that's all we got for JoJo. <laughs> we're just <laughs> looking at model so. kits now. <laughs> Next week, as I said earlier, we're going to be talking about episodes 12 and 13, Second Mission from the Boss, and Man in the Mirror, and Purple Haze. And then two weeks from now, you're going to hear a guest. Yeah. Two weeks from now, we're going to be a third through Golden Wind. That's and messed have, up. And have somebody to talk about it with us. I cannot believe we're almost a third of the way through Golden Wind already. What the hell? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Now, before we go, I should say, I should again recommend everybody go check out uh, one of my other shows, Sex Archie, Mm -hmm. because uh, uh, we are at a point in recording where Riverdale has returned for its sixth season, and they have superpowers now. Mm. Here on Bizarre Podcast, we talk about horrible things happening to to dogs all the time, (laughs) especially back in part three. But on Riverdale, their dog is immortal. (laughs) Yay! <laughs> the dog seems to have fucking Wolverine-style uh, uh, regenerative abilities. Ooh. While uh, uh, Archie and Betty have their own superpowers, and I think Jughead does too, but he might just have a disability. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Again, people are hearing me from uh, the other side of quite a backlog on this show, so if you mm. are keeping up with Sex Archie, you already know what direction that has broken. <laughs> I really think it's going to turn out to be superpowers, though. Yeah, yeah. All right, and with that, we'll see you next week. To be continued. To be continued.